and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation. We are back the u.s open i am so excited for this week i almost feel like they've oversold the course because they're making it so exciting this new look la country club the exclusivity no one's seen it i'm so excited to watch this week that if it's not like the coolest golf course i've ever seen i'm gonna be super disappointed and People are going to be upset. So let's just move forward as if it's going to be amazing. And let's all win some money tonight on the DraftCast. See you. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Can't wait for the U.S. Open. I, I'm still kind of giddy at the, the fact that all these guys that we're going to see that we don't normally see from the Live Tour are all going to be on the same tour. Like, I don't know. What does that start? Probably next uh, next uh, PGA Tour season. So I'm just I just love the the state of golf right now. So yeah, the listen, you guys, you guys know, and everybody listening knows, and I, I make no secret about it. I'm really excited about LACC. I'm really excited about the US Open. But the truth is, I'm excited every single week, particularly on Mondays when pricing comes out. I don't care what tournament it is, I am equally as excited. So this will be cool, especially because it's on the West Coast. We're gonna get some golf kind of later on. We're gonna have all the heavy hitters here. Super excited, but honestly. Welcome to last week, the week before that, the week from now. Same thing. I, I do think you made a really good point. And this has got to be the closest golf has gotten to WWE ever, right? Like, there's legitimate rivalries. There's fights. I mean, this is – it's dramatic. It's great stuff. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I mean, I guess Zach wants to see me tilting on this show, but <laughs> uh, you got to give the people what they want sometimes. I love it. I – Love it. And I can't forget about David coming off a big 66 to 1 outright. What was the feeling when that ridiculous 75 footer went in? Um, probably a similar, if not better, reaction to the entire crowd. Um, it was uh, it was a, a sweaty last hour as we went through those four playoff holes and it really looked like neither of them wanted to win it. You know, Nick, Nick Taylor came in there off, off two missed cuts, but really key for me was his wedge play uh, this season on the PGA Tour has just been so, so good. Um, and we were kind of contrarian to what I saw the rest of the market doing. I, I heard a lot of this is going to be an easy course. It's going to be ultra low scoring. You know, we're gonna we're gonna to want to be able to like drive and overpower this course. And and I saw something quite different with heavy, heavy rough and driving actually playing a key key role. And um it worked out, you know, that ended up being the the right way to do it. Our DFS core in the Wind Daily Discord was absolutely awesome as well. We had uh Rose 
Kucha, Hubbard, uh, Rose and Hubbard particularly, both finishing in the top t- top 10 and very, very easy to combine that um, with the frisky biscuit from Stephen Pilati, which Andrew Novak was an insane pick. So well done to Stephen, whose um, tips have been absolutely fire. If you're not in Wendelli, I don't know what you're doing. Get in there. The picks are fire, and it's going to be a big week this week. As we've already stated, we're super excited to learn more about this course. Now, Spence, you got your work cut out for you this week because there's no history. So you got very little to work off of. But a lot of people are talking about the course online. So give us your breakdown. What are you looking for at the course this week? Yeah, so we have Los Angeles Country Club, 7,314 yards. That's going to move a little bit depending on the day. Par 70, bent grass greens. It's going to be Bermuda rough. As you said, Joel, like we're stuck in another one of those spots where there is zero long-term data to try and decipher from this week. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily give that answer just because I think anytime you see U.S. Open venues, you get a lot of similarities between how they play from season to season when you try to extrapolate out the numbers there. Uh, That's going to be fast and firm surfaces. It's going to be challenging courses. I think all of that kind of gives you that same general expectation over and over again. I I think you need to keep that in mind when you run a model, but we still need to be careful with that viewpoint since there are so many unique characteristics of this track that will be pronounced throughout. We're going to have this wide open look off the tee. There's some holes that possess a 70 to 80 yards of width on these fairways. That typically points many in the direction of a bomb and gouge mentality. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's the correct answer here just because like to, when I watched the flyovers, this looked like a second shot course, you know, it's speedy near the greens. And I have heard the answer recently that it's a little bit softer as of this moment, but like we've heard that before for us opens and all of a sudden you get the Saturday and this thing is so baked out that balls can't stop on the green. So I still think it's going to be firm and fast. Um, you have par threes that are stretching 300 yards, not a true total just because it's downhill. But I think the easiest answer to give here that, is at least something that everybody can look into is like there's strategy, there's elevation changes, there's blind shots, there's sloping lies. All of that to me makes me want to have a five tool player. And that's including with the putter here. Like maybe it's a three putt avoidance answer. You can run it however you want to look at it, but I'm looking for that five tool player that has every shot in the bag here for a U.S. Open. There you have it. I love it. I love it. Very important information, especially as you look to break down this field, there's obviously all the studs in it. So how to differentiate from the greatest golfers in the world is look at the course, look at what the strengths are. Um, and with what Spencer saying, you're going to need all of them to be able to have success here. So without further ado, let's dive right into the draft. I'm going to pull the draft board up. As we mentioned, Model Maniac won last week, but I got second. Just a reminder, I'm still up there to be yeah. dethroned. But the order this week is going to be Sia Audience, David, Spencer, and then myself. As a quick reminder, in case anyone is new to the DraftCast, the way it works is it's your standard snake draft like you would in a fantasy league. Uh, you, the audience will go first, and then I will go last with two picks until we come back again. The big caveat is you do have to stay within the DraftKings salary. So you can't just take all the best golfers. Make sure you budget along the way. I'll tell you what, it looks like we already have our first overall pick. Uh, and, and if there's any controversy about that, I will go ahead and second. If not, it's actually a fourth for Brooks Kepka. Uh, DT in Phoenix has him 
Uh, Jack Fisher has him. LLK 517, super catchy name there. Uh, listen, I, I think we're, we're going to have to go with Brooks Kepka here. And, and I, I don't think, first of all, when I look at ownership, and again, we'll have to wait for Stephen Pilardi's ownership article at windailysports.com tomorrow, but ownership doesn't really look out of control at all. In fact, it looks like much lower than Scotty Scheffler and some guys like Victor Hovland, Rory, and Xander Shoffley. So you're, you're getting good ownership on Brooks. And honestly, from a win equity standpoint, I think he's right up there with John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. So why not take the financial discount as well? So I'm, I'm big on Brooks Kepka. We know he won the PGA Championship. He contended at the Masters. He's been good on live for, I believe, the last three months. Uh, what's not to like? Uh, Spencer, I want to ask you, you know, a lot of times you have the first pick. Lately, it's been Joel. But would Brooks have been your first pick or would you have gone? Don't tell us where you would have gone because you have a pick in a second. But would Brooks have been on the radar for you as the first overall pick? No, but like the answer to that is I'm not a Brooks guy at the end of the day. I, I think you have ownership leverage that can be created with Brooks. I'd probably rather play a handful of the names around him. I, I like him more this week than I ever have. Like, I think he's a very safe option near the top. Uh, he's inside the top 10 of my model, which as easy of an answer as that sounds, that's not always the case for me here. So I think U.S. Opens are really good for him. I probably would have gone somewhere else. Um, but no, to answer that question, Zia. Joel, I'm going to ask you the same exact question. If you had the first pick, would it have been Brooks? The answer is no, it wouldn't have been. But I do like Brooks a lot. Uh, the reason it would have been no is because the way I'm – my strategy for this week is to be more balanced. And it's just hard for me to get to a player that expensive. All right. Interesting. So you're going to have back-to-back picks in a second. So we'll see if that holds true. David, it's your pick. But, I, you know, obviously I want you to comment on the Brooks Kepka in terms of being the first overall pick. But before I do that, David, and before I, I kick it over to you for your pick – you know, back nine bets is in here. He's got like multiple names, multiple personalities, especially if you watch a show, you know that, right? Cause he's dressed a different way and it's all, he's just hilarious. But uh, I got to hand it to Byron. He won last week. And so we have to give him his due. Everybody at home. First of all, thank you for watching. Um, this is going to be a really fun show. We're going to try to keep the pace up just a little bit. So it's even going to go smoother than normal, but everybody at home, first of all, hit the like button if you haven't already, but can, can you just give an applause for Byron? And like, even if it's like late where you are and your kids are asleep or something, I want you to give them an applause anyway. And if a loved one is like, hey, what are you doing? Just be like, oh, Byron won last week for, for Team C audience. And like, say it super matter of factly, like that person should know what you're talking about because Byron deserves it. All right, David, let me kick it over to you. Brooks, yes or no is the first overall pick in the PGA DraftCast. And who's your first overall pick? I don't know that I would have taken him for the first pick, but I do think he's in an interesting position because you've got Sheffler and Rahm just above him, which I think is going to attract a lot of ownership, and that just naturally makes it really difficult to get to, to Kepka, right? We know what he can do in major championships. Um, I, I just point out he hasn't played last week. He tends to like to play the week before a tournament, so that would be um, perhaps um, something to, to keep an eye on. But I think he's a great differential in terms of um, ownership from what I can see at the moment. My top pick, I'm going to go someone who I also think is going to be missing an ownership a little bit, just given the pricing. And it's a product of UCLA. UCLA is five minutes drive away from LA Country Club. He's had the opportunity to play this course over a dozen times, which a lot of these other top price guys have not had that opportunity. So with the first pick in the draft cast, I'll take um, Patrick Hanley. Yeah, I, I like Patrick Hanley. I, I was I was going back and forth personally when I was kind of trying to create my outright card. I, I only had three kind of main outrights and a couple long shots, and I was I was waffling a, as my last outright of the three. Um, I kind of have a longer shot in there, but it was going to be between actually Patrick Cantley and Brooks Kepka. 
Uh, I, I like them both quite a bit. Um, Spencer, it's your pick. So we're going to go to you, but just your thoughts on Patrick Cantlay. Is he, I mean, the, the price seems perfectly fair. The ownership seems more than fair. He's not getting as much ownership as I would have suspected, especially with those California ties that David just mentioned. Uh, is he super high on your list or is he kind of like where he should be in terms of your model? I was marginally surprised that the ownership was as low as it was. I mean, I'm not, we're not saying sub 10% here, but from what we've gotten from Cantlay the past two or three months in all these tournaments and everybody betting him and these ownership percentages running wild, I kind of was expecting 25% and we're not reaching that territory right now. So like, while I like Kepka and that's kind of the answer I was trying to go to, there's names like Cantlay that I would just rather play if push comes to shove with it. So I like the Cantley pick, and I also will say I think anybody 10,000 and up is in play. You're just going to have to pick and choose your positions here. There's nobody who's a fade for me. Joel, I want to ask you something before we get to Spencer's pick, because when you look at the metrics, like Patrick Cantley looks great. He's got the ties. You, you figure, you know, he's probably going to win one of these majors at some point. But then again, his major record is it's, it's pretty bad, right? Like, at least for Patrick Cantley, it's pretty bad. And I just wonder when you're debating, between, like I'm asking you, Joel, specifically, when you're debating Patrick Cantley versus Brooks Kepka. I mean, Sundays need to matter, right, in terms of the ability to close. And now, listen, Cantlay might win the next three majors. We don't know. So maybe this narrative will be long gone in six months. But I'm just curious, when you're debating between guys like a Brooks Kepka and a Patrick Cantlay, how much do you weigh the, the, what the history is in terms of closing? Are you not really worried about that because they are so elite? Or are you actually, like, super worried about it? It depends, right? I think it's something that can be overweighted. And I kind of want to – like it ties directly to ownership for me, right? I think if people yeah. are overweighting it and then overplaying someone, then it's okay to get off. Right? At the end of the day, I think talent is going to um, overweigh everything else. Now, with the ownership being low, and there's a lot of other factors that you mentioned already that I really like about Kelly this week, especially the local ties. Because of the unknownness of this course and a lot of what I'm reading saying that's very tricky putting greens, um, having experience here, I think for someone who is kind of adept at being a good putter and, and getting hot with the flat stick, I think could weigh to his advantage greatly. So, you know, between choosing between Cantley and Brooks, I think they're both good choices. If you're going to give me a much lower owned Cantley, I would take him. But if they were both even, you're right. I would give the edge to Brooks because of that experience. All right, Spencer, it's your pick. Kepka and Cantley are gone. Who's next? Do you want to say something, David, first? Sorry, I just want to jump in very quickly just to respond to the comment about majors. Patrick Cantlay sneakily has finished in the four, at 14th or better in the last four majors. So, like, quietly, you put yourself in those positions enough and he's arriving at a course he's comfortable with. Um, you know, I could see him potentially getting over that hurdle um, four top 14s in a row in the majors. Not bad. Not great, but not bad and, and worth mentioning for sure. Uh, Spencer, your pick. Who do you got? All right, Joel, so how quickly could I get you out of a balanced build here if I don't take a certain player? I just, I, 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 I already have my lineup formulated. I just, I, I'm probably not going to do it. I mean, based off of that, I should like leave him and then try to make a decision, but I didn't plan on doing this. I wanted to be further back in the draft. Like it's, it's a funny position and Joel and I are always arguing before and like if one of us wins, we just put ourselves at the top. But when one of us doesn't win, we're trying to get the number one pick and Joel and I are arguing who can get the last pick for this draft here. So it's kind of like a complete change there. I wasn't planning to go Scotty Scheffler. I know he's very popular. I have not necessarily tried to build a lineup for tonight with Scheffler, but 
look, yeah, the putting is a problem. He's seventh in my model when it comes to three putt avoidance. So I think he's a really good lag putter. He's going to, from what I understand right now, or at least what he's putting out there, he might put a new putter in the bag this week. Like anything is going to have to help him, but he is putting together an historic T to green game over the past six months. Like we're talking Tiger Woods-esque in the performances that he's putting together. If the putter just at any point can get neutral for him, I think he runs away with this tournament. So I'll try to get some exposure here to Scotty. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about the lag putting with Scotty is that, you, you know, you got it. Like if you get it from 45 feet to, to, to two feet or, or three feet, you know, you got to make that three foot or two. And I'm just not hundred percent sure, but listen, I don't mind the Scotty pick at all. I, I totally get that. Joel, you've got back-to-back picks. I want you to comment on, on Scotty Scheffler. Like, obviously we can't like all the guys at the top because we can't fit all the guys at the top in our player pool. And at the top, I'm, I'm referring to Scheffler, Rom, Kepka, Cantley, Hoplin. Now you might end up taking one of these guys. Uh, for all I know, but you mentioned balance build. So maybe you go lower than Victor Hovland at 10 K, but I'm just curious when it comes to Scotty, is, is he a guy that is like one of your top two in the 10 K range or above, or are you going somewhere else? Listen, if price wasn't a factor, I would probably be my number one play every time. But as strong as this field is, you, I think about building rosters differently at a major with every, with all the good players in it, because I feel like I can still get six very good guys, not including Scotty. Whereas when we play some of these tournaments that aren't majors and, you know, there's like, you know, five or six guys in the 9K range I really like, and then it really drops off. He becomes so much more valuable. It's worth spending up on that 11-4 because I just think he's so much higher in the field where I think it's more neutral here because you get so many more guys, so many more Brookses and Cam Smith that we don't get at those regular fields. And therefore at a major, I'd rather just be balanced. So um, I love Scotty. He's great. I'm not saying don't play him. I just, it's the 11-4 that makes it tough to build a roster with. Well, Joel, you, you mentioned balance and you just uttered the words Cam Smith. Is that one of the first two selections? He sure is. Yeah. I love nice. Cam Smith this week at 9K. The upside is there. And that's my point. I, I don't think Cam Smith is $2,400 behind Scotty. And if you look at what $2,400 behind Cam Smith is, think about how much big a difference that is. If I can get multiple guys like that and build out a more balanced roster, I think that's going to be more competitive this week. So it's going to be Cam Smith with my first pick. And uh, now I, I now I'm just I know who I want. I'm debating which who I need to take first so they don't get stolen from me. Um, and it's going to be I'm going to go ahead and take Xander. It's another guy who comes from this. He's from the West Coast, from L.A., should have a little bit of the course knowledge and advantage. You know he loves U.S. Opens. I mean, every I think he only has one not top 10 in the U.S. Open, and it was like 14. So he always plays well here. He's great at bogey avoidance. And, again, it's 9-6, right? So it's $1,800 cheaper than Scotty. So it's another way for me to still leave a lot of salary to build a more balanced approach and not have to dive into the six-game range on some long shots. Yeah, I mean, these seem like really good picks. David, you kind of winced when he took Xander Schauffele. Is that because you were about to take him? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, Kenley Xander is one of my favorite ways to start builds this week. Um, I, this, this course of 
It's not a Lynx course, but it's probably as close as a US Open is ever going to get to a Lynx type course. And I see quite a few links between this and the Renaissance Club, which hosted the Scottish Open in 2022. Like the winning score there was minus seven. I think that's probably in the realm of possibilities here. Um, extremely firm and fast. It was a bit of a win because it was so exposed, but it wasn't like a true Lynx course that you'd usually expect in, in Scotland. And Xander got the victory there. He's just training so well. The the um, yardages over over 200 yards is going to be a big, big factor this week for me on approach. Xander kills it in that category. He's one of the best on the tour, and he's just been ultra, ultra consistent. And I, I think he can get over the hurdle, as as um, Joel said, a California guy as well, and I, I like the links that um, he has that. It's the kind of, kind of major that I think Xander is going to tick off is – one of these tougher tests where he kind of falls into victory. You know, I don't see him like going out and shooting like, you know, six, seven under and, and leading, you know, wire to wire. Um, it's more of a, he's going to stick around. He's going to grind out pars. And um, and I think he could very well take that box this week. So it's a great pick. Spencer, uh, we're going to go to your pick, but in the chat, I want somebody, somebody might actually know definitively the answer to this question. I want somebody to type in the chat and I, I understand I'm, I'm bringing this up for a reason just trust me on this one who led the field ball striking in the pga championship just try type your answer in the chat and uh and we'll see if anybody gets that right the 2023 pga championship <laughs> uh spencer it's your pick so i really like joel start um th that's kind of the general strategy that i was going to also uh try to take this week. So uh, good job there, Joel. Um, you're on a good way to try to continue to defend this title of yours that you had. I am going to now be in a spot after taking Scheffler to where I think I need to try to find a way to open up some salary for myself. Uh, it's a popular golfer here in the $7,000 range. He's seventh in my model and weighted strokes gain total for this course. He's 10th on firm courses. He's ninth at fast courses. When you put them together, he's inside the top five for me. Uh, I know David has talked about this golfer a lot over the past couple of months here as a guy that has just really propelled himself into a different level here in 2023. I'm going to take Wyndham Clark to open up a little salary for myself again. Ooh, Wyndham Clark, uh, a favorite of this show, frankly. So uh, I don't mind that pick. I'm curious. I think he's kind of like, for me, I'm kind of on the fence with Wyndham Clark, even though I, I really like him as a player this entire year. There's so many guys in that upper 7K range that I think are probably going to get drafted here. Um, I'm going to reserve opinion on Wyndham Clark. I do think he's a good pick, but let's go yes or no real quick. Joel, I'm going to start with you, and then, David, I'm going to go to you. And again, contextually, we can't like everybody. So some of these guys we're, we're probably not going to have in our player pool. So you can say, hey, I like him, but he's not going to be in, in, our player, in my player pool. But either way, Wyndham Clark, you're playing him or you're not playing him, Joel? Yes, I like him and I'm playing him. All right, David. This draft has been ruined by these last two picks for me. The draft is over. It's done. Call it. Uh, because, yeah, love love Wyndham Clark. Data Golf rank him as the 13th best player in the world, and he's in the mid-7K range. I mean, what are we what are we doing? Like His approach is amazing. Plenty of distance off the tee. Um, I think that this kind of firm, fast kind of conditions is, is going to suit him. Um, I, I really like the play. Just really fast that like my model has him 14th for here for this tournament. So it's like a very inline thing with what data golf has. I, I just think that he is wildly under respected at this point. 
Yeah, that's fair. I, I wonder, I, I think the reason I'm a little reserved on him is I wonder once the, the level of competition rises for him on a consistent basis, is he competing with some of those other guys in that sort of 7K range that we might like? So I think that's really the only question he hasn't fully answered yet. But I mean, I, I agree with you. I love Wyndham Clark. All right, David, you got Patrick Cantlay. Who's next? Yeah, so would have gone Xander after Xander, would have gone Wyndham Clark. Um, so I have to revert to, to one of my other picks that um, I really like the look of Justin Rose this week. He drives it long enough, and I think that's going to be the worry for a lot of people is that um, they're, they're going to worry about his driving distance. But with these few and fast conditions, I think you, you need to be driving over 290, but you're going to get a lot of run out on the ball. Where Justin Rose is going to excel is his approach over 175, particularly over 200, is excellent. I mean, like like ranked second on the PGA Tour since January. Um his putting and short game is going to keep him in the in the game, and he's coming off a great run of um, of five consecutive top twenty fives. Hasn't missed a cut since the Arnold Palmer. The approach game's really on point. I think he's just trending really, really nicely, and he could surprise a lot of people and get get a major here. I think he's got that sort of upside at seventy seven hundred. I agree with you. Uh, he, like you said, he is a little shorter off the tee, but other than that, I mean, he checks every other box, including pedigree, including being able to win uh, this calendar year. Uh, I think Justin Rose is just going to be continuing a, a great season. Um, we'll go yes or no while we uh, wait for some nominations. It looks like we have both of our guys nominated, but Joel, yes or no on Justin Rose? Yeah, for sure. Spencer, yes or no on Justin Rose? Yeah, I think Justin Rose is very safe this week. All right. Well, it looks like uh, the tribe has spoken uh, for team audience, see audience. It looks like, well, so Byron says it's Denny and Hatton. I don't think so. It looks like Spieth got nominated first by Brent Harris and Courtney Harden. So to me, it looks like Spieth and Hatton are the two guys and Denny is on the outside uh, looking in, I believe. So anybody can correct me there if they want to, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. So it's Jordan Spieth, it's, it's Terrell Hatton. Like we are not very money conscious, just like last week. Um, this is probably why we should just be nominating one person uh, instead of two. Like when we have the, for example, um, Brent, when you did Spieth and Mito, like that's great. It's efficient. But the problem is like you, you have multiple people uh, doing like two guys and it's just it's hard to uh, appreciate what the price consequences of that. So how much what do we have? Seven thousand left. That's still that enough right? money, though. I mean, I think you can find a way to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well we're going to have to. Um, I, listen, I, I guess I like both of these guys. I'm not 100% sure I'm going to have either of these guys in my player pool, but I don't really have a problem with either of them. I, my lean is a little bit more towards Terrell Hatton here at 8,900 versus Spieth at 9,200, especially considering Spieth's ownership looks to be really high. Again, well, it's not super high, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Hatton's is super high. So, like, we're just going chalk here, it looks like. Um, Let's do the yes or no thing before we get back to David's pick. So, David, I'll wait. I'll wait to go to you. You'll be third. Spencer, I'm going to start with you. Jordan Spieth, yes or no? I'm going to say no to Spieth just because of the ownership, and I'd rather play Cameron Smith. Yeah, me too. Uh, Terrell Hatton, yes or no, Spencer? Uh, yeah, definitely to Terrell Hatton. There's a, a lot of things in my model here that is reminding me of what we got from Matthew Fitzpatrick last year at the U.S. Open. I think Hatton has a legitimate chance to win this tournament. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Joel, send questions. Uh, honestly, Hatton and Rose were going to be my next two picks. I love Hatton. I was going to wow. take Hatton also. So um, 
it wasn't going to get to you, Joel, if it makes you feel any better. It does. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, that was very sweet of you, Spencer. Okay, David, Terrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth, yes or no, before your pick? Uh, yes to both. I, I, Beginning of the week when we were first looking at pricing and everything coming out, I kind of thought that Jordan Spieth might go under the radar a little bit. It seems like everybody's absolutely caught on to Jordan Spieth. Um, this is the kind of course where I think his creativity is going to be a real benefit for him. Um, and yeah, I think, I think he could surprise a few people, but obviously not the DFS community because they're all drafting him, um, unfortunately. So I'll be going, looking at what salary we've got left. I think I'm going to have to take um, someone else in the 7K. Otherwise, I'm going to end up getting stuck and then just see what kind of falls back my way. So I'm going to take Ricky Fowler. At 7,500. Joel nice rolls his eyes, which is excellent. At uh, 7,500, just way too cheap for the way that Ricky Fowler's playing. I mean, since the Players' Championship, he's had one miscut to the PGA Championship. That all came from the putter, and he just missed the, the cut on the number. Other than that, he's top 15 every single tournament he's entered. A whole bunch of them is ele- are elevated events. Just coming in ninth off the Memorial, which... I think has decent enough correlation in terms of the approach numbers and approach metrics. He was absolutely on fire with that. He drives the ball long and straight. He's going to keep it in play. I just think he's turning really nicely, and and it would be such a great comeback story, and, and I think that would be an amazing narrative for this week. I think being a California kid as well, some some nice links here. So Fowler right. it is. Yeah, I like Ricky Fowler. He's definitely on my board. Um, and by the way, the chat, like they're kind of realizing what, like what happened. So, th- so this, there's two things I'll say real quick, just from a rules and regulation standpoint. If in, in the future, when, when we're paired together, if there's like two guys that are obviously like pricey and in the chat, like didn't mean to like nominate them both necessarily, because obviously like the pricing doesn't work super well. It works. I mean, we can do it. Um, I, I may just like, we, we may have probably should have gone with with the Denny pick. But then again, listen, this is going to be a unique lineup. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what we can do. Flirt with the 6K range a little bit. Um, Ricky Fowler. Uh, and the other thing is um, we'll just try to keep it to, to one vote if you can, because we had a lot of people in here. Usually like when there's only like, if there's like five people in here, then, then maybe, um, you know, two nominations would work. But, but in this case, let's just go one uh, Ricky Fowler. Yes or no, Spencer. I. Uh- couple things really fast, Sia. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with the build that your audience has taken here. I think there's ways to get unique and different. Now, as far as the Ricky Fowler answer goes, if anybody ever says that I gave this comment on a show, I will call you a liar out in public. It will not go well. I think Ricky Fowler should be more expensive than Jason Day. Oh, my gosh. I think it wow. should be 8,700 in this tournament. That's what I had a fair price. I think Ricky Fowler is so wildly underpriced this week that no matter what ownership he's coming in at, it's probably still not going to be high enough. Well, I'll tell you, Joel, I was going to ask you yes or no on Ricky Fowler, but if you say no, you're, you're just going to be made to look like an idiot, right? Uh, yes or no on Ricky Fowler? Yeah, coming in right now, he's currently my highest exposed player. All right. Uh, Spencer, it's your pick. You got Scotty Scheffler. You got Wyndham Clark. Who's next? Wow, the audience fucked up on their picks. I'll take Denny McCarthy. (laughs) (laughs) I should have vetoed that. I really should have because it would have made sense for me to do that. It wouldn't have been like an Iron Fist thing. But uh, carry on on Denny. I am kidding about the audience messing up there. I still think there's a very – like in an ideal world, you could still take Denny McCarthy – if he would have fallen back, like there's ways that this build would have made a lot of sense, but oh, yeah. um, 
I love the fast, firm surfaces that we're getting from Denny McCarthy inside my model. And he's not somebody who ever really grades well for me, but he's 17th this week for safety. He's inside the top 25 overall. Um, I also think he's mispriced from where he's at. He's going to carry a little bit of ownership, but I, I like Denny McCarthy this week. Denny makes a lot of sense on a tough course. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be in on that, but I, I'm going to have to monitor. Like, like there's a lot of 7K chalk that we're sure. just going to have to monitor. And that's where Sicily Kid, a.k.a. Stephen Pilardi, comes in when it comes to ownership. Um, because there's going to be like, listen, with, with a ton of chalk comes a ton of pivots. So you, you just keep that in mind. That doesn't mean you can't play the 7K chalk, but 7K chalk in particular, that that dates back to, to the, the Patrick Scott days. Uh, where we were talking about Rule 17. This is like four years ago. Rule 17 is just a made-up thing we used to say, but it was basically fade 7K chalk. So it's just something to keep in mind. There's going to be like five or six guys that are very highly owned for good reason. Just keep the ownership in mind. Uh, Joel, you've got back-to-back picks. I love your start. Uh, you started with 9,900 Xander Shawplay. Then you went down to Cameron Smith. I loved what you said about Cameron Smith as he relates from a price standpoint to some of those top echelon guys, some of those top three guys. It made a lot of sense to me. Do the next two picks make a lot of sense to me? That's the question. Well, I will preface it by saying three of the next four guys I was planning to take all just got taken. So I've, I've reworked the strategy, but I still feel good about what I came back with. So I'm going to start with what's going to sound like a surprising pick, but hear me out. Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson has been playing better. I mean, he, he top 10 at the PGA. He's got three top 10s in a row, if you're including Liv. The driver, he's taken a little bit off, but he still has a ton of distance. You know, if you see him, he doesn't look like meaty Bryson anymore. He lost a lot of weight. I think this new look Bryson is, is playing really good golf. The ball striking is there. He, he gave a ton of strokes ball striking at the PGA. And these are, he's a California kid. These are the types of courses that he finds success at. I think that Bryson can have a really good week this week at 7,600. And then I'm also going to take here – I'm going to go with Siwoo Kim. Uh, Siwoo Kim, for someone you – if you got to dive down now to the below 7,500, you know, Siwoo's been playing great. And his ball striking off the tee has been, he's been unbelievable. His ball striking has been really good. He's been hit or miss around the green. He's usually good, and he showed a really good showing in his last outing. I think this is a similar course. If he keeps that momentum up this week, I think he can have a really good result, including a top 10. By the way, that was the answer to the trivia question. Uh, who led the field ball striking in the 2023, just a month ago, uh, PGA Championship? It was, in fact, Bryson DeChambeau. I love Bryson win? this week. What does Joel win if he does win? Ooh. That's a good question. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to think about that. But, Knowing but Bryce, Joel, it's probably $150,000. Yeah, well, it's probably more, probably $250,000. <laughs> I, I love the Bryson pick. Um, uh, there, I, there, there's not much. I like if you, if you, I already put a lot of my picks in Discord, by the way, in the Wind Daily Discord, and, and Bryson is, is littered among them. So we might hear about him. For those of you that are new to the show, at the very end of the show, we just spend a couple minutes on first round leaders, and you may or may not hear his name. I like both of these guys. Um, David, I'm going to go to you. Are you as big on Bryson as Joel and I are, or are you maybe backing off? Maybe like the thing about Bryson, he, he's, he's been really good. Like obviously the PJ championship, he was great. The masters, he was decent. And on live over the last month, he's been pretty good. So, I mean, the, all signs are pointing up to him, extreme value to me. And I think there's a lot of value on Siwoo Kim as well. How are you feeling about both of those guys? I'm seeing quite a bit of ownership for Bryson, which I, which I was kind of surprised at because it feels like within that range, you've got so many options that you can go to that I thought the ownership would get spread out a little bit more. Like you've got Neiman, DeChambeau, Tagala, Fowler-Clark, 
um, Taylor Moore maybe even um, got his maiden win this year. Like there, there's a ton of options there that I thought the ownership get a little bit in the spread out. It seems like a lot of it is concentrating on Bryson, and I think he's really boom or bust this week. I don't know if he's going to be in like a single entry lineup for me, but he'd be in like my GP people. Um, same kind of with Siwoo. I, I see a lot of upside there. I, I worry a little bit about whether he's going to be long enough. Uh, and again, I think he's a bit bit more volatile. He probably prefers a tighter test like we saw at the Saudi Open. A little bit more like tree-lined, a little bit more positional. I, I think something like this, which seems to be pretty wide open, um, he may get dominated by some of the other players. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Spencer, it's your pick. You got Scotty, you got Wyndham Clark, Denny McCarthy. Uh, that, that's a really solid first three. Who's next? When you take Scheffler, you put yourself in a position to where I, I do think you have to continue to open up salary, at least with the way that I want to build the lineup. And, and I know David's talking about with this being a wide open course and some of these players might run into distance problems. And the golfer I'm going to take right now is one of those names that very well could run into distance problems here. But I'm going to take Andrew Putnam at 6,800. I don't necessarily want to find myself overly dipping into the $6,000 range if I can get around it. But my model thought he was the most mispriced player on the board. Thought he should have been more in the mid 7,000s. The weighted scrambling is obviously going to look really good. If you put into a model, he's fourth for me there. But pretty much across the board, no matter how I ran this on a fast and firm surface, he was like a top 40 player for me. We saw at the Memorial, he came in fifth place, which is another fast sort of a surface there. Uh, The U.S. Open results have been very sound for him with uh, back-to-back top 41s. I just think that this is an opportunity for me to continue to open up. And now I have much more maneuverability over these next two picks to where I don't get stuck where I'm just continually picking like 7,100 golfers. All right. Uh, David, I'm going to go to you. Yes or no on Andrew Putnam? Probably a no, just given the the distance metrics. I, I, I... I like the narrative that if you're going to go putting, you've got Putnam and McCarthy in there, maybe pair that with a Cameron Smith. I'm not sure Scheffler enters that <laughs> conversation, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, David, it's your pick. You started with Cantlay, Rose, and Ricky Fowler. I think this is a really impressive start as well. Where are you going next? Yeah, and, and this is just going to be a bit tactical because the audience have got back-to-back picks and I've still got a ton of salary. Um, I'm going to grab a higher price guy on the way back, but I, I can't leave the PGA Draftcast without taking my boy, what does the fox say? It's Ryan Fox. Oh, nice. I, I What I love about Ryan, I mean, obviously I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. You can check that out on YouTube or find it on my, my Twitter one of the things he mentioned to me, we were talking about the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. He won the Alfred Dunhill links on the DP World Tour, which is a, one of the, the premier events on the DP World Tour. And he's performed really well at the Open Championship before. And he, he mentioned to me that he loves these sort of tests that are a bit tougher because he doesn't feel he has to go out there and birdie every single hole. And I feel that's, that's really going to fit very, very well this week. Obviously, he's hugely long off the tee. I think that's a massive benefit. He's going to be able to take advantage of that drivable par four. He's not going to be um, finding himself with like 250-yard approaches and some of those longer par threes. He's going to be a natural benefit given his swing speed as well. He likes those firm, fast conditions. He recently set a course record at the um, at a link style course here in New Zealand. Um, that wasn't the easiest course by any means, but he ripped it to shreds. Uh, so I just I really think he's very very sneaky at seventy one hundred, and he's coming off two top thirties um, in major championships. Like he's been very very good, and I expect him to at least make the cut. But 
I mean, he could be in contention. Like, genuinely, I believe he could be in contention this week. Wow. And he's not just saying that because he's best buds with Ryan Fox. You, you should catch that interview. Ryan Fox is an extremely likable guy, which I think everybody would have thought. But it's just interesting, his perspective. He's not like one of these, like, giants on the PGA Tour. And I just think it's interesting. Um, catch that. I think it's pinned. David, it's pinned to your, your Twitter profile at Deep Dive Golf, correct? Yep, you can find it on there. Yep. Yeah, if you, if you have 20 minutes, uh, I think it's a little longer than 20 minutes, but definitely catch that interview. Uh, really, really good find uh, by uh, David Bulesky. Um, Ryan Fox is interesting. He's sort of on my radar. I haven't decided if I'm playing or not. Well, let's do the yes or no thing before we get to the back-to-back audience picks. Uh, and if anybody knows who we actually nominate, I know Russell Henley is one of the two, but if you know both, put it in there so uh, we don't have another gate on our hands. Um, Ryan Fox, yes or no to Spencer. I mean, I'll trust David on this one. I feel like he's had a very good read on Ryan Fox every single time he's mentioned him on this show. So I'm not going to buck him on that. Otherwise known as a no. Joel, yes or no on Ryan Fox? Yes. I'm not quite as high as as David is on him, but I am going to have him in my player pool. All right. Uh, It looks like we may have nominated Mito as our second guy, which I have no problem with. Brent says it leads us 6,800. Totally fine with that as well. And I, I'm, I'm scrolling, and I don't really see any objections. Um, there were a couple other guys that were mentioned, but I think we just go Mito. Okay, cool. So that does leave us with 6,800. Listen, I, I like Mito a lot. I, I like what he did at the PGA Championship. At the Masters, he wasn't bad, by the way. At the PGA Championship, he was uh, 18th, made the cut at the Masters. He's been good on live as of late. Uh, tremendous upside. I mean, you know, he almost won a major last year and it looks like he's kind of back to that form potentially. So, and Russell Henley rates out really well. There's not a lot of bad things you can say. There's a couple, but it's not a lot of bad things you can say about Russell Henley when you look at the metrics. So I love both of these picks. Let's go down the line real quick. I'm going to start with Russell Henley for each of you. Spencer, I'm going to start with you. Is like Russell Henley is going to be a little popular. So is Mito Pereira. But guess what? We have a really cool build that a lot of people aren't going to have. So at least we have the benefit of that. Um, We'll see what happens with our last pick. But Spencer, yes or no on Russell Henley? I'll just make it very easy for you, Sia, so you don't have to go to me twice here. I was going to pick one of Russell Henley or Mito Pereira for my next choice before I made my last pick. I really like both selections. I love that. Okay, let's do both. Joel, uh, Let's uh, yes or no on Russell Henley and Mito Pereira? Yes to both. All right. David? Uh, maybe on Pereira. Henley's going to be situational for me. I, I kind of like the idea of building my lineups as a bit of a narrative this week, and I'll be building some lineups which focus more heavily on approach and driving accuracy, and Henley will certainly be kind of top of the list for those lineups that I build. I think that's a great way to get different this week on a course that we really don't know exactly how it's going to play. And, and so it would be irresponsible if I didn't mention this. So if you're looking at like the 7,200 and below, the, the, the only chalky guys – I mean, let's say 7,300 and below. The only chalky guys that are approaching double-digit ownership or already have succumbed to double-digit ownership, Siwoo Kim, Mito Pereira, Russell Henley, and I think I'm missing one. Um, yeah, so just keep that in mind. Because Oh, Denny McCarthy. Um, keep that in mind because there's obviously going to be a lot of pivots. That doesn't mean you can't play any of those guys, but you just have to keep it in mind. There's so many guys that were also nominated that you can pivot with your lineup if you feel like you need to. So just know that those are all great picks, but they're also going to be pretty popular. Uh, David, you just pulled your buddy, Ryan Fox, fellow New Zealander, countryman. What's next? Yeah, so I feel I'm going to have to um, take this guy because I don't know that he's going to get past either Spencer or Joel. Maybe he will. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But the, the AK 
range raises a whole bunch of questions. And the one guy who probably answers the most of them for me is Tony Finau. I think that his long approach play is very, very good. He's played very well at Augusta before, and there's been a lot of comms drawn this week from people on the ground that um, that Augusta National might be correlated to here. But uh, the, the long lines is really what draws it to, um, to me. I think something like the Mexico Open, where we saw a ton of shots over 200 approach, um, we saw him perform very, very well there. Yes, it's a big boy tournament. Yes, I understand he's, he's won tournaments which are being weak or weaker, but um, another of his victories came at Memorial Park, and I don't think that's the worst correlation to here at all. All right, Tony Finau. He's not getting a ton of ownership. He's in the double digits, but usually when Tony Finau at a major is down in that 8,800, 9,000 range, he usually picks up quite a bit of ownership. So it's certainly reasonable as of now. Again, we'll have the ownership article published at windailysports.com. It'll be published in our Windaily Sports Discord as well. So go to Windaily, uh, sign up, check all that out. You get a week free, um, as, as some of you uh, already know. Uh, Tony Finau is going to be a no for me ultimately. Joel, yes or no on Tony? It's a no for me as well. Spencer? I love the Augusta comps. I think that if Tony Finau is going to win a major and it could come this week, I think it either comes at the Masters or a U.S. Open. And if you can give me a U.S. Open that plays like Augusta, I was going to take Tony Finau. So David was correct that uh, to make the pick then. And uh, this is a very difficult spot now because legitimately the last three picks that I was going to take have been taken. So I don't know if that means that we're all in like the same general agreement here, which is maybe a good thing that we keep taking each other's plays and and I guess I'll move us along and try to make a selection right now. I have to be cognizant of where Joel is and what Joel is going to do. Um, man, I mean, I, I will be honest. Like, I wish I was in a position here where I could take Siwoo. I could take Mito. I could take Henley. Um, I don't know if I love it. I just don't know who else I can pick at this point. I will take Gary Woodland. Oh, interesting. Listen, uh, go, go ahead, because because I want to comment on that. Um, tell me why you're you're picking him. My model likes him. It does think he has a value uh, at the price tag that he's at. I mean, obviously, he's a major championship winner. I think the form has turned around for him this season to where I don't know if we've necessarily gotten what from like if you run it a model on him. I think the recent form is going to be a lot better than the long term form, and that's kind of the answer that I go to. And He's a big, strong guy that can play out of this thick rough if he gets into these positions. And I know that the around the green game is always going to be somewhat of a concern for him, but he has the distance that you're looking for. And he's inside the top five of my model from weighted proximity. Um, so you kind of get the best of both worlds there of distance and, and iron play. Yeah, and this is one of those times where he's not taking up a lot of ownership because Gary Woodland's a popular player because on the metrics that a lot of people care about the ball striking the off the tee stuff, he usually rates out really well there and people are going to, going to take the chance on him, especially in the low seven K range with, with the putter usually, but they're not doing that this, this time around. And, and it's, I mean, one thing that's interesting, he's so bad with the putter, but he did gain a little bit both with the putter and around the green uh, at the Memorial um, typically, you know, loses quite a bit with the putter, but the ball striking, you're right is in really, really good shape. I think that's a risk worth taking personally. Uh, I do want to move us along to Joel's final two picks, but I do want to get a yes or no on Gary Woodland. I think I'm going to end up being a slight yes. It looks like he's only going to be in like the 6 to 7% range, so you don't need to do much to be you know, twice the field on Gary Woodland or even three times the field if that's what you want to do. Uh, I think I might speculate with Gary Woodland. I do like the upside, but uh, David, yes or no on Gary? 
Yeah, I like Gary Woodland this week. The, the long line approach, especially, is is very very good. Um, I think we all want to see Gary Woodland yeah. win tournaments like this again, just like the US Open. So I, I worry about the ownership a little bit because the putter could be just ice cold. Yeah, and Joel, how about you? Yes or no? Yeah, I like Gary Woodland. All right. Uh, yeah, I think I'm convinced on Gary Woodland. Uh, Joel, you got two picks left. Who's it going to be? All right. So. I got to make this this work salary-wise. There's some other guys I would have taken here that are already gone. But I'm happy to get – first, I'm going to take Hideki, uh, who's fallen to me, who's just been playing very consistently um, all-around game. Right? I think that's what Spencer referenced earlier. It's You want someone who's got the all-around game to succeed here. He certainly has that. I think with a hot putter this week, Hideki can do some serious damage and compete to win the tournament. I'm going to pair him with what seems to be a – um, heavily debated golfer this week, especially on Twitter, and that's Sahithagala. Uh, Sahithagala is a local. He should have a lot of experience on this course. He's also wildly, wildly wild off the tee, which is going to be an issue here. So I think if he finds a way to keep the ball in the fairway, which wide fairways, I think he's going to have a really, really good week. And I do think that that extra experience he has playing here should work to his advantage. Yeah, I like that. By the way, audience, nobody's in our price bracket with the 6,800 that we have left. So if you want to, you can start nominating now. Uh, Sahit Tagala was a, was a topic of conversation in our sort of Win Daily uh, text chat earlier. I don't think I'm going to play him, but I, there are certain reasons to play him. I do like Decky. I do want to move it along, though. So I'm going to go yes or no. Uh, David, you seem to shake your head a little bit with Decky. I think you might have wanted to grab a piece of him. Uh, yes or no on both of these guys? <laughs> just, just kind of more the fact that, of course, Joel takes the dicky message. That yeah, was more, more the reaction than anything Fair else. Enough. Like he's guaranteed to withdraw now. Um, but, but yeah, he would have been in kind of the the thought pattern for me a little bit. Um, the so the thing I really like. I mean, everyone's going to make bogeys here. Absolutely, every player is going to make bogeys here. What I like with Tagala is that he's performed well at those tough courses, like. Um, the players, for example, where you can go booty, bogey, booty, bogey. He's got to rack up points that way. And, and I think that he can um, bounce back incredibly well from um, some of those pitfalls that others might get frustrated at. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Spencer, yes or no on Decky and Sahith? Yes to both of them. And I love the short game that Sahith brings to the table. And Everybody thinks that he's a volatile golfer. I mean, what is he at now? 18 consecutive made cuts or whatever the number is. Like he's much more consistent than you think he is. And mm -hmm. a U.S. Open in California feels like a really nice tournament for him to maybe pop in a big way here. So I think there's a lot of upside for him. I don't have him on an outright ticket, but I can certainly understand the intrigue of that upside that he does bring. And for DFS here, it's a great pick. All right. Spencer, speaking of great picks, you got to close out. You just took Woodland. Who's next? Who's last? So I'm going to end this with a golfer that I didn't plan when this show started. Um, he blew up my model in a good way of every single time I ran this, he was popping up. Like if Scheffler was number one, he would either be number two. And sometimes when I ran it for upside, he would sneak into this mix here. I know that the wind concerns that he has are going to be a problem. Like he can't seem to close on Sunday, but I do think he's a top 10 option in this tournament. I'm going to go with Rory. I think Scheffler and Rory is a really strong duo with, Four names beneath them here that, like, I feel like I have some safety with McCarthy, Woodland, and Putnam. Uh, Clark is a mispriced player for me. So I kind of like this build that I have this week. 
Yeah, I like it too. Uh, I don't think that's a bad uh, pick at all. Uh, Joel, let's go to you real quick before David's final pick. Yes or no on Roy McElroy? Yes, I mean, this is a discount uh, for what you normally see from Roy. So, yes. And David? Yeah, I, I like Rory this week. I think the approach metrics suit him a lot more than we saw at the, the Canadian Open last week. Um, wedges aren't his strongest, but his, his long irons and distance are going to be a real asset around here. Yeah, and as bad as it feels like Rory has played, not that anybody thinks he's been like terrible, but ninth, seventh, seventh over his last three, I mean, is, is telling me something for somebody who doesn't really seem to have the game completely uh, dialed in. Uh, David, your game is dialed in. You had Nick Taylor at 66 to one last week in our round four matchups, which you put in the Wind Daily Discord. And of course, you put on Tally's site as well. You went six for six, not six for seven, not five for seven, not five for six. You were perfect with Nick Taylor, perfect with your matchups. The question is, are you perfect with your final pick on the PGA Draftcast? What you got? What a professional segue. I mean, look at this. <laughs> yeah, just the, the, the quarterbacking from C is on point every week. Let's just point that out. Um, and, of course, I mean, he just just talked me up massively, which always does good things for my ego. I'll uh, end my picks with uh, Shane Lowry. I was between Lowry and Matsuyama. I think a lot of people are going to look at last week for Shane Lowry, and they're going to go, his approach numbers went backwards. But Shane Lowry's strength isn't necessarily in those wedge players. It's more in the 200-plus yards, and I really like what he's been doing lately, particularly at Augusta. Like, his last four tournaments at the Masters, he's finished in the top 25, including a third in 2022, 16th this year. He was 23rd at Southern Hills at the PGA Championship, and he was actually a lot more in contention than that number suggests. And he's 14th at Riviera, so he's got some good, um, some correlating form to another designed course by Thomas just down the road in LA, um, 14th there this year. The approach, approach numbers have been very, very good other than last week. And he likes these firm, fast links like Teth. So I think he's kind of sneaky. I don't think a lot of people either are going to be building with two players in the AK range. So I think it's a little way to get different in terms of your lineup. All right. I, like, I actually like Shane Lowry. And by the way, uh, we have, I think he's a sneaky play too. We already have our pick in. The audience has already chosen Adam Shank at 6,800. So we can actually even pull the board down and just get right into our first round leaders. Before we do that real quick, you can pull the board down if you want. Um, I, I want to do a yes or no on Shane Lowry to Joel and Spencer. Yes or no. Uh, let's start with Spencer. David was in a really tricky position there with how to round out this build. Um, I think from where he was at, like to me at least, it would have been Lowry Day or Sungjae, I guess. Um, I probably would have gone Jason Day, but I always usually go Jason Day. I think it's very close. Um, it's just a tough spot for David there. All right. Uh, Joel, yes or no on Lowry? I'm going to say no, but tough one for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, Joel, let's do it. Let's fire off some first-round leaders before we All get out right. of here. We're going to fire off the first round leaders, but real quick, before we do, hit the like button, give us a follow. We'll come back. We'll post these lineups. You tell us who you think is going to win. We will come back and pick a winner. But to get rich on Thursday evening, Spence, who are you picking in the first round leader market? I took Scotty Scheffler at 18 to 1. This was kind of my way to try to get some exposure to him. I, I'm a little bit afraid that the putter does go neutral or hot. And he might run away with this tournament. So I thought at 18 to 1 for a round, that was an intriguing number. I took Sung M at 60 to 1 and Jason Day at 55 to 1, two golfers that I just talked about a second ago. And then Tony Finau at 50 to 1. 
I love it. I love it. All right, David, how about you? Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Uh, so full push to the mornings for me um, for first round leaders. I can't see someone getting out there in the afternoon and scoring a really crispy, fast, firm conditions. I'm sure that the first round leader is going to come from the morning wave. Of those guys, Alexander at 33 to 1, Justin Rose at 50 to 1, Ricky Fowler at 66 to 1, Sepp Strucker at 125 to 1. I'm seeing out there, he has got the upside, but he was fourth at the PGA Championship in the first round. He's from New Zealand. It's going to be Ryan Fox at 90 to 1 as your first round leader. Look at Wow. You interviewed him, so you know something. You know, you got the information. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, I got a couple of plays for my first round. My favorite one is the it is my long shot at 80 to 1. The man I drafted last with course experience said to go. I think he can come out, he can fire off a really low round. I think that 80 to 1 number is a little bit too high for him. So, um, I really like the 80 to 1 for him. I also like Ricky Fowler. The number I'm seeing for him is 55 to 1. If you get 66, then jump on that. That's a, that's a really good number. And I like Max Homa at 45 to 1. I'm going to throw a late one on there in Terrell Hatton at 40 to 1. See ya. Enlighten us. Who's going to be uh, the lead maker in the first round Thursday night? I'll tell you what, I, I like the Thigala number. That That is a little too high. He could absolutely crush it for one round, especially being kind of a neighbor to this course. Um, Patrick Rogers is going to be my long shot. I want to get him out of the way. 110 to one. I like him in DFS, but I like him, uh, boomer bust, obviously 110 to one for one round. I, I could see it. Uh, Victor Hovland, 30 to one Bryson DeChambeau. I like him a lot. 45 to one Siwoo Kim, 65 to one, but listen, the lock button, the absolute for sure, surefire first round leader, man. I, you think I'm going to go against David Bielaski after what we saw last week? You think I'm going to go against that? Your first round leader at the U.S. Open at LACC. This is 2023, but it's Tuesday, not Thursday. We are predicting the future. Your first round leader. It's none other than at 35 to 1, Xander Shoffley. Book it. That was easy. That's it. There you have it. You, you come back. You come back on Thursday night, and now you have 35 times more dollars than you had Thursday morning. So it's really, I mean, it's really that easy. That's it. Yeah. That's all you got to do. It was a blast drafting with you guys this evening. I cannot wait for Thursday. This is going to be a super exciting tournament. The majors are bowl season. This is what we get up for. I think this is going to be a really fun one. Good luck this week, fellas. See ya. Am I missing anything? Yes, you forgot to thank the audience. We have a lot of people in here. A lot of you hit the like button. A lot of you were super active in the chat. We really appreciate it. We're going to have some huge guests. First of all, I know you come here for the analysis, or at least I hope you do, because I think it's top notch. But we're going to have some really exciting guests, some guests that are going to surprise you over the next few tournaments uh, on into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So very excited about that. Stay tuned for it. And of course, don't forget, you never want to forget sports 